Season podcast number 67. I'm here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson, George Tekmachev with you. You knew it was 67, huh? I actually realized that the last one was 66, and I made the logical deduction. Makes sense. Yeah. Steve, you're fresh back from Turkey. Fresh being the uh, maybe the wrong term to use. You're a little blurry-eyed. <laughs> I'm back from Turkey. How yes. long was that flight? 20-something uh, hours? It was like 28 hours of travel yeah. from you know door to door. Yeah, that's maybe a lot a of travel. More. I can relate. Just got back from Japan and uh, still waking up at 3 in the morning, so yeah. I can relate very well. Hey, we've got um, quite a lot to cover. Uh, your your uh, experience at the World Field Championship, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, World Cup Final, where you coached your wife, Linda, to the winner's podium, silver medalist, Linda Ochoa Anderson. Congratulations to Linda. Yep. We're going to talk about some other stuff that uh, has come up, uh, and I think that's, that's where we want to start. Um, that's what everybody wants to hear. They want to hear us talk about the whole Vegas uh Yeah. Yeah, we've been hearing incident. from a lot of people that want to hear what we think of that. And so we're we're gonna just go for that. Put that thing on silent for me, would yeah, you? Yeah, I'm blowing up Thanks. here. Yeah, well, I mean, uh everything's blowing up. Social media, <laughs> Facebook, which is God, that's a waste of time. But um let's just cut to the chase. Um the uh, U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, USADA, which is part of WADA, World Anti-Doping Agency, um, which is the body that has been formed to regulate the use of performance-enhancing drugs in our sport. Now, what are performance-enhancing drugs? Those are drugs, including alcohol, that one could use to get an unfair advantage over somebody who's shooting clean. And you've seen the World Archery uh, Shoot Clean campaign. Um, the goal is to preserve the integrity of our sport by making sure that we don't have people cheating by using drugs. That's it. That's the bottom line. You, you, Fairly simple. You can have somebody show up at your house at 7 o'clock in the morning and produce a cup and tell you to fill that cup because as a, as a member of the U.S. Archery team, you're subject to out-of-competition drug testing at any time. Yep. And any professional archer knows the rules. If you go to Vegas, you have, this year, you had a form that informed you explicitly. Very clearly. Very clearly. There are no excuses for not knowing those rules. No. That's, uh, I mean, it was, I, I don't get how you could you could say, oh, well, I didn't know. So let's finish the story you for, for you those do who don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, let's get to this. <clears throat> the athlete Bob Eiler from Michigan was uh, was declared the winner at the Vegas shoot. And um, turns out that he rendered a positive sample for two prohibited substances at the Vegas shoot, one of which was um, a powerful beta blocker. And we'll talk about how beta blockers work and why you'd use them for archery. Uh, if you wanted to cheat, <clears throat> and um, the metabolite of marijuana or hashish, according to um, according to USADA, so that means he used some marijuana-related material in a very close time proximity to shooting the tournament, uh, maybe even day of, because it was above the minimum limit, which is a pretty high limit. Yeah, my understanding is, yeah, you'd have to use it. This is me talking completely out of my uh, ear hole, but my understanding is you'd have to use it within a day or two. Yeah. 
Now, there's some circumstances where some people uh, who've used heavy amounts of marijuana and then stopped using it for a short period of time and then lost a lot of weight ended up with a positive test, and the reason is because it's stored in your fat cells. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a clear finding that is something that went through 36 weeks of arbitration. Yeah, which I don't think people understand that means... This was the positive, excuse me, yeah, the positive test or the failed test was declared. Uh, it was protested, then sent through arbitration, which is a neutral party uh, making a ruling based off the facts. The, yeah, the facts and the, the actual rules in place. So the arbitrator, a, a neutral party, uh, again, upheld the failed test yeah. and that's that that's yeah. why eight months later you know USADA is dropping the hammer and by the way this isn't just one test obviously they have they have multiple samples and they, they yeah, you, you pee the and, first one. and for people who don't know how it works why don't you walk us through yeah because someone I saw some comments I mean I saw a lot of crazy stuff you being got, commented let's online. just talk about what you've experienced at, yeah. at Vegas specifically because you got tested at Vegas because yeah. you were in the shoot off there's, there's a lot of uh, people commenting the top three at Vegas get tested that's not true I was fourth and I got tested. My understanding is it was the top 10. Yeah, anyone in the shoot-off could be tested. Anyone at the event was subject to test. Correct. Uh, But when I was fourth, I got tested. And Chris Schaff and I tied for fourth. He got tested as well. Walk us through the procedure. So you go in, because some people were saying maybe, you know, oh, I wouldn't trust a drug test done in Vegas. It, it's not like it matters where it's at. USADA does this. It's a standard administered. thing. They do this for MMA. Yeah. They do this for bicycling. They do this for every Olympic sport. Exactly. And they do it for archery. So they don't even touch any of the stuff that you use for the testing. It's all done by you. They, you select. They watch. So there's a box of about 100 cups, all sealed. You pick a cup. You go... You pee in it. A guy watches you pee in it. Yeah, yeah. Like Which if you're if you're shy, you don't. Want it's not. Yeah, it's not like a fun thing to you know. No, I mean they, they actually get their head down there and look. Yeah, because what they're looking for, by the way, is that they're not using a tube, of you know, like a it, people have taped bags of urine to their bodies yeah. and run tubes down and you know tried to fake out the test that way. They're looking for. They're yeah. looking for a clear stream, like pants on the ground. Right. They they want to make sure it's not a fake appendage down right, there. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So you they're, don't they're, you don't stick a you you could, in theory, have something on your finger. Put your finger in the cup of pee and neutralize it. Yep, that's happened in the past. So they make sure you don't do that. There was a uh, there was a uh, case where uh, a contaminant was was used to make the uh, screens not work properly. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's anyhow, back in the seventies, by the way. Very uncomfortably, you pee in front of some dude. Uh, unless you're a lady, then it's a female. Um, then you go and they lay out about 50 uh, collection kits, right? You've got your, you've you've sealed up your little uh, cup. That you randomly select. Yeah, your apple juice cup. And then you pick one of these test kits. They have a serial number on the outside. The box is fully sealed. You cut the box open, open it up. There are two glass bottles, also sealed, also with the serial number, matching. A sample and B sample. Yep. You fill each one with a specific amount of pee. 
from your from your sample. sample. You fill it. Which, they by the way, has it. to be a specific gravity, et cetera. If you yeah. drink too much Gatorade, you're, might, you yeah, might have to wait a while. If your pee is too clear, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work. So then you... You, so you pour everything into the A and the B glass jars that with these crazy caps on them that I don't even know how they work. Uh, you close them up. You put them in a bag. You drop a silica packet down in each bag in case there's any moisture on the outside. You seal up the bag. You put you seal up each bag because each glass bottle goes in its own. You put them back in the box, and then you seal that up yourself. And that gets shipped to whatever testing lab they use and from there it gets tested. And by the way, I don't believe the testing lab associates the serial number with the owner. No, I think it's done it's done blind. They don't know anything about it. And that, I mean, it's not to say that something couldn't uh, be tainted at some point in the process. Yeah, but sure nobody's even claiming such a thing here. No. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's that's not that's maybe there's some claims from wild uh, people who have nothing to do with this. There but. there was a claim many, many years ago of a contaminated sample or a contaminated, you know, drink that had been consumed by an athlete. In fact, it was the first such case in our sport. It was Tom Crow Mm -hmm. at the World Championship in 1997. He claimed that somebody had spiked his drink or whatever. Yeah, and it's... With beta blocker. You know, I've done, I don't know how many drug tests, and there's certainly guys out there who have done a lot more than I have, but it's, uh, every time you do one, you go, well, I hope, Everything that I ate or drank or any of the, you know, medications I took that are legal. Or dietary supplements. Yeah, I hope none uh, of them were tainted. Right. Because it could happen. And it does happen. Um, In other sports, yeah. Yeah, you see it happen a lot with non-FDA regulated stuff like supplements. Protein shakes and stuff. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, that's the most common. That is not what anybody's talking about in the case of of Bob Eiler. No. This was a... I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of the story here. He was taking a beta blocker for some medical purpose, reportedly. That's the that's how it's been put out by. Which say, is fine, his but camp. you've got to declare it. You have to declare it and in get advance, a. You have uh, to get a TUE, a therapeutic use exemption. Yep, and it's made. There's a procedure well, for no, this. It has to be done well in advance. Sure, and there's a procedure for this. And anybody in the sport of archery at a professional level. Not to mention what they tell you when you register for the event, what they tell you when you signed the paperwork before you started mm-hmm. the match. Uh, you got to know that going in there. I mean, you, you can't yeah. plead ignorance is not a defense. You know, it's just not. No, and the uh, you know I'm paraphrasing, but the arbitrator was also paraphrased in the article as saying, not knowing the rules isn't a valid excuse for breaking them. Yeah, and if that know, was the case, we would all just say, oh, I didn't know. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, and you, I hope, are not going to judge this shooter's intentions in this situation. I'm just going to say this is what happened. He yeah. smoked or consumed marijuana or marijuana product. Yeah, and there's no TUE for that there's as far none, as I know. None, no, and, and it's a violation of federal law. Forget about state law. People are arguing, oh, yeah. it's legal in this, this state and that's, well, I don't care. It doesn't matter it's if it's legal. nothing to do with the sport of archery. Yeah. It's the same. You can have a shot of bourbon. But if you have a shot of bourbon before you go shoot the Vegas final, mm-hmm. you're going to test positive for alcohol. Yeah, I mean, which you, is also prohibited. You can hold a basketball in your hand and take three steps down the road, and no one's going to have a problem with it because it's totally legal. But you can't do that in the game of basketball. It's traveling, right? 
So, yeah, we have rules in the sport. And they, you know, USADA isn't saying, isn't passing judgment on Bob saying, oh, he's a bad guy. He cheated, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, They're not, not saying that. They're I'm saying not judging that. he had two things two, in his two, system. Two prohibited substances yeah. that are specifically known to help you shoot archery. The one is the most common that anyone, if you wanted to go and have a performance enhancer, you would you would take the beta block. Absolutely. But That's like saying if I wanted to get stronger, I would take an anabolic steroid. But the marijuana product is certainly similar in terms of its effect in the pressure situation. You know, I I, I take this a little bit personally on one level. I had a I had a I, I had a loss in a uh, close match at an Arizona Cup more than a decade ago, and then when the uh, archer who beat me and ended up advancing was called for testing he refused to take the test because he'd been smoking marijuana that morning and so he automatically had a two-year ban <laughs> but it didn't do me any good because you know i'd already lost my match yeah by one point and they can't go back through the results nope. it, it it housed your it would have it would have affected everybody ranking. in the event yeah. so it's more than it's more than just the fifty-two thousand dollars. it's more than chris perkins getting screwed out of being on the podium mm-hmm. right Oh, because it changes the dynamic of the event totally, entirely. Totally, you know, totally. Yeah, Chris Schaff, you, uh, not me. <laughs> a lot of people. No, no, no. I'm just saying. A lot of people. This thing could have gone differently if that shooter had not been in the mix. Uh, absolutely. Or, or you could say it could have gone a lot differently if we were all allowed to take a beta blocker. Okay, that's a separate <laughs> issue. You but know. you're not, right? No, we're not, and. And, and, you know, I'll say this. Yeah. This also does another thing, a big disservice to our sport. You know, this is the first Vegas that was tested. Second. Second Vegas that was tested. Excuse me. It, and we've already got a... Positive. You've already got people saying, well, what other people have done this? Well, whether or not they have, the fact that people are making that statement is a tremendous disservice. Tremendous disservice to those people who've got the title in the past. Here's the other thing. A lot of those people who got the title in the past have been subject to testing... Outside of competition. Like Rio Wild, for yeah. example. Totally, Rio, totally. Yeah, Rio gets tested probably, I mean, not Maybe the most tested guy at the time. At the time, yeah. He was, guys were showing up. So when you when you are tested outside of competition, you have to constantly update your whereabouts. Yeah, you got to give them a, a something like 90 days in advance where you're going to be specifically. Yeah, you fill out a, a calendar, basically. Yeah. And they ask when, you know, if, if they're going to show up randomly at your house, when are you most likely to be there? So Rio put 10.30 at night. He said, yeah, I'm rarely out past 10.30. So they show up at his house fairly frequently, probably at least two or three times a year outside of competition at his house at 10.30 at night and hand him a cup to yeah, pee in. and I've heard once 7 in the morning. Yeah, so. Which would actually be uh, easier to accommodate if you think about it. Beyond that, beyond that, in years past, the guys who competed in the World Cup final on Saturday night at Vegas were subject to testing yep, as well. Correct. So because that's a, that was a world archery event. Right. World archery tests everybody. Right, and they can choose whether they want to or not, and they can do it, and they can administer that at any time. And you know, this is not a trivial thing. These tests cost a lot of money. I mean, it's, right. it's five hundred bucks or so for a standard test. Just for the test. Just for that's the not test. counting just getting them to show up. No, the whole the whole uh, marshalling thing. The mm-hmm. I mean, the whole process. This was a yeah. So to add deal. to this, so here's what happens. You finish the the tournament, right? You you shoot your match. Bef- so when they usually grab me, I'm. It's usually at a world archery event. Uh, we shoot our our match in the finals. 
We walk out of the venue. As soon as I'm out of the venue, someone is there with a paper or a clipboard, their ID, and they do not leave my side until I've finished the test. They go, if I'm not, you know, if I have to go out on the podium and all that, they come with me. They're standing right there watching everything I do. The doping control marshal. Yeah. So there's no. They also supervise if you drink out of a bottle of water or any of that stuff. They supervise all of that. Yep. So there's no. funny business going on between the end of the tournament and actual tests being taken. Yeah. And and let me let me make something really clear here. This is not some secret society type stuff. USADA, for example, has five different ways to be educated on the subject of, of what kind of drug testing takes place for our sport and what the procedures are. USADA provides comprehensive instruction on the website they have um, a drug reference online thing, a separate one. They, they have a thing about the risks and dangers of taking supplements, how to get permission for using a medication that you might need, educational sessions with national governing bodies and their athletes, you know, seminars, and all kinds of materials, including a, a reference wallet card that most of us that, you know, used to compete at a high level used to carry um, because... You could just look it up. Okay, I'm going to take some Advil. Is Advil okay? Yeah, yeah. Advil's okay. I'm going to take some Benadryl. Is Benadryl okay? Well, maybe not. And decongestants, right. not okay. Not yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been sick how many times at Vegas? Virtually yeah. every time. Yeah, I would love to take a decongestant. Yeah. Can't. I, I was miserable for years when ASU hosted the Arizona Cup because I had allergies to some plants growing on the uh, on the venue. I had, uh, you know, like my eyes are exploding out of my head. Couldn't take anything. No. You know? And um, those are the rules. Everybody participating at that level in a position to win 52 grand ought to freaking know the rules. There's no, yeah, you can't, you can't make an excuse for that. Good guy or not. Yeah, I, we're not judging. The, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not judging. USADA's not judging his character either. They're Nobody. judging whether he had banned substances in his pee. And that's all it is. So that's what it's about. And all this ancillary, I've seen, you know, just social media exploding over this with people saying, oh, marijuana is no big deal. This is not about whether marijuana is a big deal or not. This I, is about whether you could take a substance yeah. that is prohibited. World archery and everyone else obviously thinks that marijuana is a big deal when you're shooting. Clearly. The the, the people who were Same as arguing, alcohol, by the way. well, he only took the, you know, the beta blocker for health purposes. Like, it keeps him alive. I, I can't believe... I mean, it's astonishing to me to hear that people are arguing that it should be okay. Uh, In some circumstances and some conditions, it might be okay if you go through the procedure of getting the therapeutic use exemption, which involves a panel of doctors looking at the situation and figuring out, all right, is this the right drug? Or yeah, or is there something else the guy can take? And if it, if this is what he really needs, then they'll give him a waiver. A panel of doctors. Uh-huh. Yes. Panel. And the people saying, oh, it's not, you know, this this beta blocker isn't a performance right. enhancer. Yes, it is. You're arguing with WADA, who is mi- comprised of well, doctors, pharmacists, other scientists. Look, I'll They tell know you, more than I, people who are commenting on Facebook. I, I'm sorry. I know a top archer, absolute top of the line, everybody knows this guy's name, who experimented one time under supervision to see what would happen under the influence of of beta blockers. This was more than 20 years ago. And what this athlete told me is you take the beta blocker and you feel no 
nervousness. It's you a downer. Just, it, you just feel calm. Mm-hmm. You don't, your heart rate doesn't increase with pressure. You don't feel pressure. You said the downside of it is if you shoot a nine, you don't care. But, you know, if you shoot a, if you need to shoot a 10, you don't care. And so you can execute a lot easier. And so, you know, his contention was, yeah, this is a dangerous substance from the standpoint of making your performance artificially enhanced. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. And that isn't even the issue. The issue is whether or not we have a sport with integrity. The issue is whether or not I can trust that when I see somebody on the podium, they aren't doping. Right. That's all. That That's the bottom line. There is absolutely no argument about that bottom line. Mm-hmm. Sucks for Bobby Eiler, Okay. But the rules are the rules, and you can't shoot when you're doped. You can't nope. do it. it it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a bummer deal. No one did it because of who he is or who he shoots for, contrary to some of the more wild Oh, for goodness sake, I've seen some of that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, the man is trying to get a pro shooter to be the Give me a break. No one cares. Unbelievable. It, it's like the pe- <laughs> the people, I don't know. It's it's really interesting to me, you know. There's there's a lot more to it than we've brought up. I mean, Martin Archery's marketing and all that gets involved, and there's a lot. There's a lot are to they, this. Are they even in business now? I mean, is that yeah still a going concern? Matthews, you know, now that Chris Perkins is the winner of Vegas, yeah, there's an unbudgeted uh, contingency there, right? Maybe. Yeah, they're they're probably near year end, and they're going oh. Hey, we owe this guy fifty grand. You know, if they do owe him fifty grand, I'll bet you they come through with it. That's a, that's oh, a standard no doubt. company, no doubt. But um, you know, Chris was the lucky dog, right? So he could either only be first or last in the shootoff. Yeah, in the shootoff, and so him. Um, so he being, was last. Yeah, but now he's first. Now he's first. Now he's first. And everybody who was. And by the way, he shot brilliantly. I mean, you have to admit he did shoot well. Yeah, and everybody who was out of the shootoff moves up one position in the standings. Well, except for not everybody will move does up. Does it make you third? No, I was like a hundred this year. Oh, okay. No. But everybody who was out of the shoot off, you know, one shooter who was Oh, I got you. Yeah. 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 That I 11th, mean big eleventh goes away and everybody yeah, moves up one. Big yeah. move for me. You know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but you know, um let's let's uh, give credit where it's due now and and point out Chris Perkins is the winner of Vegas. Um he was the lucky dog, and um, he is uh, the man who will win the prize money. And by the way, he <laughs> was tested. Uh, you know, uh, from from what I'm understanding, I have no idea there. And um, so, I mean, some people are like, "Well, did he get to?" It? Well, yeah, he did. And um, you know, this is uh, Here, here's the thing: even if he didn't get tested, he didn't fail a test. Correct. Excellent point. Everybody. You know, there were a lot of people who got paid at that event who did not get tested. Who didn't get tested, that's right, including everybody in the flights. Yeah, I mean, it's... And, uh, and i got to tell you, I just got to get this off my chest. You know, I, I walk around, I'm, as you know, the last few years I've been the announcer for Vegas, and I do tend to walk around and watch the shooters as they're doing their thing. And I was watching some of the flights, and um, there are people who will shoot three arrows, walk up three rows, pull out a can of Bud Light, suck down on the can, go back down on the line, go score their arrows, come back, shoot three arrows, go back, drink their beer. I mean, that's not okay. It's, that is not okay. <laughs> I, I 
I wonder if it's more of a placebo than anything else. Oh, because it's Bud Light? Well, it's like. And there's, and there's nothing in it? It's just, it's just they, they think it's going to help. I don't know. You know, it's uh, so weird. It's a crazy situation right now. And I'll just say big props to Bruce Cole for yeah. instituting this. And I'm really, I'm not happy to see that it, it uh, happened, fish got that it played it, out. Yeah. But. I'm glad that we have everything in place because I think it probably prevented a lot of other guys from maybe doing something that previously was not illegal. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were joking a little bit that uh, it seemed like fewer guys were in the shoot-off, but um, I will say that uh, if we have a clean sport, and this is a victory for clean sport if nothing else, if we have a clean sport, we will never have to worry, okay, was this guy on? such and such mm-hmm. and and that really elevates the quality of the competition in my mind you know yep puts it beyond reproach well anything else about this well i'm sure you've got some other thoughts and no i'm just disappointed in internet commenters and social media yeah commenters i was in i was general. and we'll just call it what it is i, I mean, think i'm disappointed in people on the internet every day now yeah well so. I've, I've made a big retraction from you know withdrawal from from participating in social yeah. media. I haven't been on Twitter in more than a year. And I, I would go through and, and read comments and I'm like, I want to ask probably 50% of the people, did you not read the article or did you not maybe scroll? People need their information served to them on a platter now. Mm. So heaven forbid they research something or if something gets hashed out in the comments above theirs, they don't go through and read anything. They just plug in their comment and yep. expect someone else to and it's fulfill it, their it's, it's question. Drive-by. It's a drive-by. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're, they're just, uh, just spewing their keyboard nonsense out there. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same thing on, on the old Scott, old style media, like archery talk, you know, which is kind of a dying thing, but you look at that and, and you realize, you know, this is just people with drive-by comments and keyboards, yeah. and, you know, it, it it doesn't matter. I'll tell you what matters. What matters fundamentally is people like you that show up at the tournament, that shoot clean, that put the work in, that make it happen. Because without people like you and people like Rio and people like Jesse and, and the names go on and on, who shoot clean, who follow the rules, without that, we don't have a sport. And um, so this is as much about the people who did it right as it is about the one who did it wrong yeah and it you know say it, it uh, it's nice to know that i've been through testing many times past many times um well 100 of the time <laughs> but it, it's you know it's a like i said it's a scary thing when it's really out of your hands the testing you do wonder if something could be tainted at some point along the line or something you ate or whatever but um, they're, they're, that's why the arbitration is in place, you know, and that's why they, they do allow for certain levels of things so that the concentration has to be over a certain amount. Yeah. In case you have yeah. been walking past somebody vaping THC or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. It, it's, let's move on and talk about like world. Let's, something. let's work backwards chronologically. Yeah. You just got back from Turkey, from uh, Samsung, Turkey. Yep. Which is uh, 
awfully close to Samsung. <laughs> when I first saw That's the name, said. it said Samsung 2018. Oh, I was like, new, oh, we're going to sponsor. Korea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought we were going to Korea for World Cup final. Or, or they got a new sponsor, you know, a new electronics manufacturer. No, yeah. Samsung is not Samsung. Uh, Kim Woo-jin um, won his third World Cup final. Yeah. It was all Korea in the uh, gold medal final for the recurve men. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Kim, you know, been there, done that. And uh, and uh, Ms. Lee was the um, winner in the uh, women's recurve. Yeah, and first time, first year shooting international team. Yeah, and probably yeah. not the last. I don't know how old she is. They've got so much depth. Though. Yeah, that's the thing. It could be her last. You never you know. Never know. <laughs> Uh, but the interesting thing, and, and you know, this is heresy coming from me. The interesting thing was the whole compound thing. And I, I honestly think the compound women's situation, regardless from the fact that um, your wife, Linda, was in the gold medal final, was a spectacular thing uh, on a number of levels. First, you got to give props to Sarah Lopez, undefeated the entire season. Yeah. I mean, come on. That is whew, tremendous. But it, it's hard to fathom. It is, because... You think about it. Every single bracket she found herself in, she won every single match. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not sure that that is a thing that's been matched in uh, the modern history of our sport by anybody else I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I mean, you know, I I I think that's a tremendous accomplishment, especially given the game we play, because you can have a good a good round and lose, right. You can, and yeah. you know. So if um, you have a bad round, you're almost guaranteed to lose, right? But uh, but Linda shot well in this gold medal final, and yeah. I gotta say, I would have personally been a little happier. And and you and I haven't talked about this at all, so I'm just gonna say it now. I would have personally been happier if that hadn't been decided by a judge. Uh, well, it it turns out it wasn't. Okay. So there was it was a two point differential. So tell me what happened. Uh, so in the final end, Sarah had two liners. Right. And the one was clearly in. I don't know why they called right. it a nine star. I looked. You'll oh, so actually see. that was a spotter thing. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I looked through my spotting scope at it, and I went, that's like a half shaft. Yeah. So we went and shook her hand. And then the other one was a, a close call, and I knew it would be, and they called it in. It, it didn't matter. You know, it was yeah. it was 145 or 146 to 144. Got you. But, uh, yeah, it was it was about the closest anyone has contested Sarah in a long time yeah, in, in a gold medal final. A- exactly. And Linda, you know, rose to the occasion and you went there as her coach. Uh, all I did was stand there. And, okay. But that's what you, that's what I you actually, do when you're a coach. I actually came on a, a little, um, you know, verbal mental cue that seemed to work for. Good. So, I mean, sign me up, sign me up for that Chinese compound coaching job. Well, we already. talked about that on the last podcast yeah. and I'm telling you, there's more than just China looking for a good coach right yeah, now. Yeah, sign me up. I saw Sri Lanka is looking for a coach, for a compound coach. Let's see if they can afford me. Well, that's the whole key, <laughs> right? Uh, so, um, and, and Chris Schaff, congratulations to Chris. Yeah, uh, Chris was, man, solid. It was, the men's side was crazy. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit. We had, I mean, um, you had Chris in there. And in the gold medal final, um, you know, he beat uh, uh, he beat Elmo, Demir and Magakli. Yeah. And those two, in the first round, you could see no one shot very well except Chris and Elmo. Everyone else kind of either shot very poorly or it took a bit for them to figure it out. I mean, you know, I'm watching Mike Schlosser who's shooting and he's shaking his head like, yeah, that's a good shot. He he thinks these are good shots and they're not going in and he's going he's just getting more confused and 
It's like, man, something's going on on the field that's kind of tripping these guys up. You know, Braden, who normally – I see Braden in head-to-head matches like this. If he shoots – I have rarely see him shoot under 147. He shot a 144 tied with uh, Abshek Verma. Who's also capable of tremendous scores. Yeah, Abshek ended up winning that shoot-off. And then, but from the start, Chris was solid against Mike, and Demir was solid, and I think he shot against. Uh, was it Kim? No, no, no. it would have been. And who was it? Um, I could look up the brackets. Anyhow, but, yeah, they shot solid the whole way through. So Virma, you know, I, I've seen, I've told you before the story of Virma and Bangkok and shooting like fifty something consecutive tens. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, to his credit, he shot the highest score of any compound shooter in the bronze medal match, which happens quite a bit, by the way. The bronze scores often are higher than the gold scores. Mm-hmm. He had a 149 um, against Mr. Kim from Korea yeah. in the bronze medal match. So Chris uh, shot the old 148 with the eight. <laughs> he's, like, he's had like an eight for every gold medal match. It's been. <sighs> so, uh, but yeah. he was, yeah. He was ripping. I mean, <clears throat> well, he's got a bright future, I think. You know, he's 26 years old now, and uh, he's he's just come on in the last couple of, I'd say, 18 months, two years. Yeah. <clears throat> Fixture at Vegas to some degree, he and his brother. Yeah, he's he's solid, and I think he'll uh, just continue to be better and better. Yeah. Well, um, it's let's just say the American men depth has been impressive. It's been improving. Um, I'm not sure any other country has quite that much depth right now. You know, we got uh, we got Chris, we got you, we got uh, we got Jesse, we got. I mean, you know, the names are, are it, it impressive. Was, yeah, Chris had to win his first match to make the team for next year. So that's how you know that's the depth of the situation. And in doing so, he jumped me. So yeah, I. I so for the first World Cup, I'm gonna be shooting a 3D somewhere instead. <laughs> That's all right. I'm kind of actually looking forward to the well, change of pace. I think that um, I, I, I will say this. I think that uh, he has earned his place uh, on the World Cup team. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, it's going to be a new season going forward. I think your motivation is going to be um, up to you. And, yep. you know, it, it's in your control to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because you have the skill and you have the equipment and you have the talent. So Yeah. But it's just, I mean, really I brought that up as a – you know, a, a testament to the depth of the U.S. Yeah. team. The guy who won the World Cup final barely made our World Cup team for right, 2019. Right, right. right. That tells you something about the depth. It absolutely yeah. does. So, you know, and I wouldn't rule out other people, too, from uh, from being, you know, contentious uh, as we go forward into the next uh, 2019 season. Yeah, and it's the way our, our World Cup team will play out next year is really kind of weird because the World Championships are mid-year and the World Championships team will actually go to the second World Cup. It's really strange. It, we we have, could have seven different guys shoot the first two World Cups. We have an unbelievable calendar for 2019 when you consider what's on that calendar. You've got test event for Tokyo Olympic Games. You've got World Championship. You've got a Para World Championship. You've got, uh, you know, obviously the new indoor circuit thing. Yeah. You've got... Obviously, Vegas shoot, Neem, and all the other stuff. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And there's not one weekend without a major event. Not so one. So should be a Pan Am Games next year, Correct. Too. Yeah, Pan Am Games. And obviously, a trials process for that, which is already underway. And yeah, you've that's got, crazy. Yeah, just on and on. So, you know, the pressure doesn't stop. The fun doesn't stop. 
And the drug testing doesn't stop. No. You know what, though? I probably won't hit Delta Diamond for 2020. You know, I used to think that that was a good thing to be Delta Diamond. I was Delta Diamond the first year they did it, and I was Delta Diamond like the four years after that. And then I realized it really means I didn't have a life during those yeah, times. Yeah, it means spent, you sat on your butt in an airplane a lot. It, that's what it meant. That's yep. precisely what it meant. And and you got, you know, at that time, you'd get some upgrades and stuff like You don't get those as much as you used to. And it's it's just a uh, it's a badge of you spend way too much time traveling. <laughs> and money. And money. <laughs> So um, let's let's back up a little further in the season and look at your uh, attempted defense of your world champion title in the World yeah. Field Championships. It was a really interesting tournament. First of all, Cortina is a spectacular place, isn't it? As beautiful as it gets, yeah. Um, right in the middle of the Dolomite Mountains. Dolomite. Yeah, yeah it's. I would have really loved to have traded a bow for a KTM. 1290 adventure uh-huh uh but uh, someday you know they make um, them just over the border yeah exactly it was it was really cool that you know the event changed this year the qualification format so one and two were automatically seated into the semifinals yeah that's that's a new procedure which was cool because it makes qualification matter and qualification i think is very important in field however the way then we went into like a, a shoot up form of matches, so things changed drastically from there. I won't go into all the details, but what I really did not like about it was the fact that the guys shooting through the the shoot up, you know, they eventually got to two of those guys, and they went head to head with the guys who were preceded into the semis, which have been me and. Uh, Domagaj Budin in men's compound. Now, some of these guys have had enough matches that they're pretty warmed up. They've had four, you know, between one and three matches. They've shot the course one to three times, and we're coming onto a course we haven't shot. That's my point. Yeah, Yeah, and they should have – they realized it. They said, yeah, we should have moved everybody to a different course so that it's fresh for everybody. Uh, Maybe even done it on a different day because they could have done it that way. There were some weird things they did, and it what ended up happening was – both one and two in men's compound and one and two in men's recurve got eliminated in the semis. So moved to the, you know, not eliminated, but they got defeated in the semis. So they all shot the bronze medal match kind of, you know, from world archery standpoint, they want their best field shooters in the, in the final. And they're thinking they're going to get to the gold final and it didn't work out. Kind of shot them in the foot a little bit. Yeah. They'll, they'll change that for next time around. It uh, won't do me any good, but, you know, I straight up got beat in the semi. It happens. Shot a really good bronze medal match, and I was happy with that. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, Taking that bronze medal was nothing to sneeze at. The course, the qualification course was tough at times. Um, you know, it was kind of in the open a bit. So if you weren't paying attention, wind could get you. Uh, some of the bunnies were tough. Most of the long ones were fairly straightforward. The the footing was often crappy, but it was you know it was contested on a ski run, and then the the finals venue was unbelievable, it was right on a, a ski jump, the landing. So, well, if it's any consolation, if I'm not mistaken, you shot the highest score ever in a field championship. Your total, uh, your total score was the highest score. No, I've shot higher than that before. Really? Yeah. Well, at this event, your your score was the highest score. You shot the high qualifying score. Yeah, I was high at this one. And you shot the high total. Yeah, I was. Pretty. You had an eight twenty six total. Yeah, total. I've shot so. higher than that. 
All right. Well, it was a tough course, though. Yeah. So I, in the I end, made some giant mistakes. I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, that was that was kind of my year. I felt like I would shoot really, really, really well, and then just very poorly for periods of time, and then really well again. And that's kind of what I did on the field course the whole time. All right. Did you do a lot of practice going into this thing, or was it um, kind of catch as catch can? Because it was a busy time for you. I did a lot of shooting. I did no field shooting. I didn't really. I mean, I shot off the balcony at the Easton Center one time, which was like a 21-degree angle. So got me a little feeling of shooting down a hill. Um, what I should have done was practice shooting with poor footing and feet close together and weird <clears throat> stuff like that. So that there's a – you know, here we got Big Cottonwood Canyon, mm-hmm. right? You go up Big Cottonwood Canyon, and there's a um, there's a feature there called the Mississippi Marble, which is a big rock formation. On the opposite side of the road from there is a trail that goes up in the hills, uh, cliffs, basically. Jay Bars and Janet Bars, his wife, and I would practice for World Field and National Field Championships by going up in there with a target that uh, we would carry on our back, and then one of us would set the target, while the shooters had their back turned, mm-hmm. range to the shooters using a laser, uh, put the appropriate face up, and then move off. And then um, the other two would turn around, gauge it, shoot it, mm-hmm. score it, and then we'd rotate, right? And um, we set up really gnarly, really gnarly shots. Um, the kind of stuff where you'd want a rope, you know? Yeah. And that was a very good way to practice for this, if you have the time. Yeah. Got to have time. And uh, it helps to have three people doing it. <laughs> you have to have three. I, I, I said three. Yeah. And and three or four is a good way to do it because yeah. that way you trade off the uh, duty of uh, of moving the actual targets, and at the same time you you know you set yourself up for um, challenging shots. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you know you're shooting from uphill to downhill typically, and then back the other way, depending on how you set the targets. So yeah. you can get a lot of variety in in a short time, and yeah. it's never the same twice. Yeah, it's a good way to go about it. It really was. So, did you uh, did you see the pictures of the finals venue? Yeah, some interesting stuff. Absolutely, it was really my favorite part. I think was <laughs> by favorite. I mean, this was really sad. The uh, women's team round, they mismarked the bunny target. Yeah, I heard about. They this. had it at twenty and fifteen. Really, it should have been fifteen and ten. Right. So they, they pulled that target from the results. Is that right? They pulled it from the results, and it flipped the winner. It went from being Italy as a winner to Germany. Yeah. And what they should have done, in my opinion, they're right there. Everybody's right there. Just go shoot that target again. Yes, agreed. That would have been arguably a better procedure. Yeah. Because um, just having the results change based on a mistake by somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, that wasn't an archer. But somebody right. setting the course or the judges or whatever, yeah, I'm, you know, whoever is to blame doesn't matter. But what matters is hold the shooters harmless from the result. Yeah, it was a bummer deal. I, I was really I was surprised. Like the Italian women, they weren't like that mad about it. I I probably would have found somebody who. Uh, what was a protest filed? Yeah, yeah, the protest was filed, which is why they flipped the results. And then the Italian women were just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. you know, I mean, given the rules, and I've been on a few juries, you know, I, I will tell you, you got to work out of the rule book. You can't make stuff up as you go along. Right. Having them reshoot the thing, there is no reshoots in, in, in world yeah. archery, as you know. And, um, you know, that's that's just the nature 
yeah. of the uh, of the sport. So I, <laughs> I can't see how the jury could have come up to that particular conclusion. But um, you was... could argue that that there could be a provision in the rules in the future that would say something yeah. like what you just outlined. Yeah, they could reshoot. It was uh, it was nuts. I mean, that uphill sixty meter. There were how much were you cutting for that? I cut four meters. Wow. But there were people who cut seven and a half. Wow. And hit. So we don't know why. What what I found was the tall people cut less. So Nico Wiener and I, we both well, cut about four. That that ma- that makes sense if you look at the trigonometry of the situation, right? You've got yeah. less of an angle, so. Yeah. But not enough to justify. You wouldn't three and think a half enough meters. to cut yeah. another two meters, no. Yeah. So, you know, I went out for the team round and I was kind of sending a scout. <laughs> And it just broke a little left, but it hit uh, perfect height. So I knew for the next day. I mean, it was interesting. The first target was marked as 40 meters uphill. I figured cut it to 39 and a quarter. It, uh, I immediately hit, I hit a low four. I made a really good shot. So I told Brady, I said, that's, it's longer. And Brady hit a little low. So we knew right then that that one was not showing or not shooting as it, as it was marked. So the next day, in individual finals, I shot it for about 40 and a half. Still hit a low six. I think I ended up shooting it about 41 meters straight up by the time I was done with it. Mm-hmm. So that was that's field dynamics and, and lighting dynamics and things like that change a lot. You know, from the, the uh, course to the finals venue, I had to move my side about seven clicks right. Hmm. No idea why. I, I'm wondering if it was because the course was up on the hill, maybe you get... Even with your bubble. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something to do with lighting or thermals or something. Well, you know, there's there's magnetic rock in the Dolomites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was seven clicks right, and I wasn't the only person who was hitting right on you know, the, at the finals venue. So um, one of the things I find interesting in the field is it's, you know, the team round to me is a very interesting dynamic. And uh, you got the opportunity to shoot for the gold in the yeah. team round. Um, fell short to Germany, which was... Jens Asbach and Florian Kalland and uh, Michael Meyer mm-hmm. versus yourself, Steve Anderson, and uh, John Demmer and Brady Ellison. Yeah. The team round was a blast. Yeah, it's always fun, isn't it? I was kind of upset we don't get to shoot more, you know? Right, right. It's short. Yeah, I yeah. only shot through the team matches. Let's see. We shot like two matches, I think, and then – or three. Shot a quarterfinal. No, we shot a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final – so, yeah, three matches, and I only shot 12 arrows, you know. I would have loved to have gone out and shoot a little more. And Yep. To me, the team matches are, yeah. are where it's at from the fun standpoint at these yeah. events. Oh, we shot really well, too, through the rounds. I mean, John Demmer was he was our barebow shooter. Right. You know, everyone knows it kind of comes down to the barebow. The compound's yeah, maybe going to miss a point or two. Right, and the recurves are pretty much dead on, but the barebow can be, yeah. <laughs> can be solid or can be off the bail. Yeah, the compound doesn't really... I mean, it can obviously give a point doesn't matter where it comes from, but they tend to drop less points than the recurve and they drop less points than the bear bow. If you've got a solid bear bow, which John Demmer was smoking it for us, um, and no pun intended based off the earlier part of this. Yeah, no, that's a yeah. different John Den John Demmer was really shooting well for us. It was, it was really fun. I, I got really intense. It was intense. Brady and I were pumped and John Demmer was just like, what's up <laughs> dropping sixes at 55 <laughs> meters or whatever well, it was I mean, it was know, impressive they are sighting after all yeah 
I mean, you know, they might be called Barbo, but they're they're using a side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you got Italy with uh, the bronze uh, for the men's team. For the women's teams, um, you had Germany win again. This yeah. is the gold medal for Germany in both categories, men and women. On that weird ruling, but yeah, yeah. Lisa Unruh, member of that team. Yep. And uh, you had uh, Italy second uh, with Jessica Tomasi, a past world field champion herself. And uh, Irene Franchini, a uh, European champion. She was a world champion, too. Yeah, last world champion, time. too. Uh, I was going to say it, but I wasn't 100% sure. So, And then uh, Toya Ellison uh, of Slovenia and Anna Umer and uh, Tina Gutmann uh, won the bronze for Slovenia. So that was pretty solid. American uh, juniors won the gold, I see. Yeah, it was, that was another – I mean, that was for so men. fun to watch because that big uphill 60-meter, the recurves and the – I mean, the compounds were shooting twos, threes, fours. You know, you'd see the occasional five or six. The recurves were sometimes missing, and the bare bows were usually missing. And uh, our junior bare bow, you know, it was it was crazy. Our The match dynamic was awesome. We have a junior great recurver who has some dyslexia under pressure. He uh. set his sight wrong on the 25 meter and missed the 25. Oh, Lord. And then they came back, and and they, uh, you know, the, the bare bow guy hit a one, on the 60 meter and the team went crazy you would have thought he which he was shooting it from 50 meters as bare you would have figured he'd center punched yeah it yeah they went nuts and they ended up winning and it was just well they beat awesome. Italy, which uh, if you look at this from uh you know home team advantage standpoint beating italy on their home turf that's a big deal yeah it was it was crazy slovenia was third for the uh for the juniors in the gentlemen's category and then for the women you had sweden italy and usa in that order and then for the recurve men individually uh wataru onuki of japan who yeah. uh, is a good performer i've worked with him a couple times over there in japan he's a good guy and he was uh i think surprised and delighted to be the winner over uh max mandia of italy yeah max beat uh brady in the semis and and uh brady, came brady back ended up shooting against john charles yeah which we all kind of thought would be the one two yeah that's where i think really that that round that the, the that format, format. kind of set the those guys up coming in cold they were ready to just you know yep it was tough and that was predictable too because we've seen it in the past we all knew it was going to be absolutely getting some people we just didn't think it would get as many people i'm honestly got. surprised they did it because they had enough experience with protecting yeah. the top eight in olympic round competition right. to know that that's not a good plan to have them come in cold yeah i mean that's just not and whatever you know, well they'll, they'll adjust it <laughs> yeah Mike Schlusser makes history, uh, being one of the few men, I think only the second one, to be indoor world champion, outdoor world champion, and now world field champion. The other one being? I'm Morgan. London. Uh, London. Yeah. Yeah, Morgan. That's the thing. You know, I was I shot with uh, Peter Leone, formerly Peter Grip from Sweden. Right. Really cool guy. Superman. I, I yeah, I think he's about, I think he's about 44, 45, something yeah. like that. He's been around the game a while. You know, and he was telling me about, I think it was the previous time that they had the competition in Cortina. It must have been 18 years ago or yeah. so. Jay Barr shot it. Yeah, and I think the winner of the recurve was Andreas Lorenz. I'm not surprised if that's true. I Peter might... won Barebo back in the day. Wow. And he was talking about how compound, like no one really shot it at field, you know, back then. And Barebo was the ticket. And uh, it's I, I I love the World Field Championships because 
of the fact that it is a big deal for the bare bow, and I like watching him perform. When a guy is when a guy is good at bare bow, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Sure, uh, yeah. You know, the rest look like they're doing it for fun, and he looks well, like well, most he knows people what he's in bare bow are doing it for fun. Most <laughs> people. It's, I mean, you know, yeah. But this is their world championship. This is the only. This is a big one they've got. Right, yeah. right, right. And uh, and for the foreseeable future, that's how it's going to be. Paige Pierce, the American, uh, won over Toya Ellison of Slovenia, mm-hmm. Brady's wife. Yep. And Paige is uh, from California, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, pretty good at reading, uh, from what I recall. Yeah, she's had a really good year in about every venue this year. And uh, Carolyn Landesfeind of Germany was uh, the bronze medal winner in the compound women. So uh, overall, uh, takeaways from this event. Format? We miss the recurve women. Yeah. Uh, Lisa won. Yeah, I did miss the recurve women, and that's unusual for me. So let me uh, let me make up for that by pointing out that the Olympic silver medalist from Germany, Lisa Anru, uh, won the gold and is the world field champion. So it's actually two in a row for her. It's yes. not back-to-back because no. she didn't participate in 2016. Right. She was focused on the Olympia the Olympic Games but uh, Lisa's second world championship and then she dominated too uh, Naomi Folkard was a silver medalist and in a continuing uh, interesting eyebrow raising thing Nami Fukasawa of Japan took the bronze big big Japanese contingent there the thing you gotta remember about Japan is it's very mountainous right yeah and field archery while not as widely participated in as other forms of archery Field archery is pretty uh, challenging in Japan. So if you're a good field archer in Japan, you're going to be a good field archer anyway. Yeah. They, uh, you know, I, I would love to see national a tournament field there. And, oh, it's awesome. You just got to be careful what you lean on. I was, uh, you know, you're waiting for people to shoot, right? You, you tend to lean on trees and stuff, you know, while you're waiting, you're chilling out, your bow's on the ground, mm-hmm. whatever. I looked down and there was an 11-inch long centipede, poisonous centipede, looking at me mm. in a malevolent manner. Gross. Very close. And and I stopped leaning on trees after that. Yeah. And big spiders. They got spiders the size of your hand in the in the woods. No thanks. Big ones. Big Not spiders. Interested. Large. Juicy spiders. <laughs> but it's, it's the fun. ones they eat on Fear Factor. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually um I've been invited to shoot a field tournament there next year, so I'm trying to get in good enough shape to be able to do that again. Good but call. Could be fun. Anyway, all right, pretty cool. Hey, I got the new, uh, I got the new Hoyt recurve. This is going to be pretty, pretty cool. I have seen it. Yeah, it's cool. That's yeah, all I can yeah, say. Yeah, because they're going to reveal it in November, I guess. But, uh. but let's just say Doug's been burning, burning the midnight oil, and and he's come up with what might be, arguably, the coolest thing he's done so far. Yeah, it's, yeah. I won't say anymore. No. I, I don't really know anything more about it. No, I just heard. I've been shooting it a bit, and I can tell you, it's it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Everybody who tells me everyone who i know who shoots recurve who has shot it and they tell me these things with full honesty because they have no reason to make anything up to me they say it's the best they've ever shot speaking of good stuff um i suppose it wouldn't be inappropriate for us to mention something on the podcast that people have been asking about in social media and other places people have noticed that Braden galantine and some other shooters are using a experimental eastern arrow Oh, yeah. I used it. You used it. It's pretty Braden sick. Galantine used it. I We will reveal all after October 20th. It's going to be a good arrow for a lot of people. Absolutely. 
I'm really excited to see how the highest level of shooters choose to adopt it. It is, you know, I, I can give up a few details because it's pretty clear. It's a larger diameter than a Pro Tour. It's not our smallest diameter arrow. Nor our, nor our, you know, most optimal ballistic coefficient. Right. You know. So I think, I think. Uh, but it works really well for certain situations yeah. and for a particular uh, category of shooter. I think it could be a very good thing. I foresee a lot of people choosing it for one reason or another, and I foresee a number of people employing it alongside their pro tours uh, when conditions suit it. Yes. Yes. I would leave it at that. But we're, you know, we've got our product reveal. Uh, when is that? What's the date of that? 20-something? I, I don't like going to that thing. Huh? I know, but, you know, it's part of your job. I think I'm out of town. I believe I'm here, and then I got to go straight to Japan. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's the uh, 18th, 19th. So on the 20th, we will reveal all about this item as well as some others. Because we've got some other cool stuff yeah. in, the, in the works this year. But we're uh, we're about twelve minutes late to a meeting. Oh, are we? Oh, you're yeah. right. Okay. Should we just? Uh, I think we can wrap it up pretty quickly here. We just have by nothing saying, else to talk about. Eh, pretty much nothing else. Just to recap, um, shoot clean. That's End of it. show. End of show. End of show. End of show. <laughs>